Sports are such a big part of all of our lives. From the big plays to the unforgettable games, they continue to inspire us in unimaginable ways. But what happens to the athletes, the warriors, and heroes of our time when the game is finally over and the sport they love and work their entire lives pursuing greatness at continues on without them? How do they cope with the transition? How do they find purpose, reclaim their identity, and work towards a vision of the future? As a former professional athlete, playing in the NFL for eight seasons, I know the unique challenges that these athletes face. On this podcast, these athletes will share their stories and how they navigate life beyond the game. All right, welcome to another episode of Life Beyond the Game podcast. Got a great guest today. His name is Langston Moore. We actually connected through uh, an NFL program. What was it? The Speakers Bureau. We went to uh, work on our motivational speaking uh, gigs. And it's actually, it was a really cool opportunity. Um, one of my biggest fears uh, growing up and I've, I've definitely worked through this, but it's being on stage in front of others. And I feel called to you know, share a positive message with the world and get up on stage. And, um, so I really went headfirst into conquering that fear. And another cool thing about, you know, heading towards the things that scare us the most, uh, leads to really cool opportunities like connecting with individuals who are on the same path. And that's where I met Langston. We've stayed connected over the last couple of years. He's doing some pretty cool things in the world. He really uh, works a lot with children. Uh, he's written two children's books, I think. And, uh, working on a third one now. Um, he's become a writer. Um, and in this episode, we share about his uh, journey through transition and what he's working on now. I uh, really hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right, Langston, what's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing awesome, man. It's great to, uh, to be here, man. Finally get my way to be on the show with you, man. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you taking the time, and I'm excited to uh, to dive dive a little deeper into your story. I think the cool thing about this podcast is kind of getting the story behind the athlete. I think you know everybody hears about how we show up on the fields, and you know, like I shared shared earlier, the intention behind this podcast is really talk about the transition and right. what us as athletes go through. But before we dive into that, share a little bit about your journey. Um, I know you played in the NFL. So kind of take us through a little bit of your background up to the transition point, and then we'll kind of dive into that. For sure. Um, I was originally born and raised right there in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, before Charleston was really like chic and cool, like what it is now. Uh, you know, uh, grew up there, played high school ball there at James Island High School. Um, I only say that because there was like some other famous people who graduated from my high school, went and played in the NFL, Roddy White, different folks. Oh, like I played that. with Roddy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh-huh. yeah. So, um, you know, love that, love the... Growing up there and uh, got a scholarship. You guys really good in high school? Did he uh, well, play at the same time or no? Nah, because so Roddy and I are the same age, but he's like a year behind me. So we like we're on that finicky kind of like little like we all probably should have been in the same class. So yeah. like, but Roddy was a phenomenal wrestler, and so you know the years that I was there, Roddy was killing everybody, winning state championships since like eighth grade, and then mm-hmm. like right after we left, our football coach finally convinced Roddy to be like, man, come out and play football, and he got really really good at it. Yeah, and, that worked know, out well for him. Just took off. He, he used <laughs> all that wrestling and all that, you know, physical specimen that he is to to be a great 
uh, wide receiver and just dominate people. But um, yeah, you yeah, brought but, that physicality to the receiver position, which is you know kind of new. sure. And and then Roddy was always faster than I thought. Like when I see you know him around the island and stuff, because usually when you think of wrestlers, they're like kind of slow, methodical. But like Roddy has some wheels to him. I was like, man, we should have all been playing together at the same time because it's a couple more guys that went Division One from my school that we all played together, but. You know, the biggest thing is always timing, man, trying to get everybody out there at the same time. So, yeah, played there, um, went to, uh, to the University of South Carolina, the real USC, as I like to say it. You know, if you're on the, the east coast of the Mississippi, everybody's like, yeah, we know USC. And then if you're on the other side, it's like Southern Cal. What are you guys talking about? Like, nobody knows. What yeah, I'm a West Coaster. So you say USC, yeah, I'm thinking so, Southern Cal. You know, um, yeah, played there, played with, with Lou Holtz. Um, you know, had an opportunity to get recruited by him when he first came to Carolina and, you know, thought it was going to be all national championships and everything. We actually went like 0-11 my first freshman year there. So, like, we didn't win a game at all. And that was on the back of like a, a 0 and no, a 1-10 season. So, like, at that time in like two years, South Carolina had like a 1-21 losing streak, which was really like a proud moment, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's difficult, man. I know my college career, we didn't win. We didn't have one winning season. And coming from a really good high school and we were really successful, that was really hard for me to deal with, like how to yeah. handle the failure. It was like, like I was one of the best players on the team playing at a small school like UNLV. I mean, South Carolina is, you know, a pretty big SEC school, so a little bit different there. But yeah, how did you handle like not having success and, and losing that much? Well, thank goodness we were kind of like mediocre in high school. So like we had like back way, way back, our school was pretty good. But, you know, that legend was far and, and gone by the time I got there. So, you know, the expectation and then losing relatively quickly, that didn't seem too unfamiliar to me. But, you know, that first year with Coach Holtz, um, I really learned how to, to play football and to win. Because before I was just kind of just like, probably like you just had a lot of talent uh, that you didn't, you know, have any control over. God gifted you with that, but you were able to find that outlet in football and be really good at it. So when I got into college, you know, figuring out like, you know, field position matters and you got to get everybody working on one accord. It can't just be, you know, two guys out of the 11 doing everything well for us to be successful and, you know, all these different things. But, you know, a lot of that gave me um, a lot of tools and different things to kind of hang my hat on once football was over for me later on. Um, you know, a lot of things talking about trust, care, commitment was kind of like our mantra. And that's mm -hmm. something that, you know, Coach Holtz gave us that, you know, whatever you're doing in your life, if you put people up against those three kind of those three kind of measuring sticks. Can I trust them? Do they care? Am I committed? And it's the same way with you and anything you do. Uh, you usually pretty much come out on top of that. So, you know, beyond coming Coach Holtz had a, had a pretty big impact on not just, you know, your football IQ, but also your life, you know, and, and taking those lessons into life with you, huh? Oh, 100%. Um, you know, not just him, but other guys like Charlie Strong, who was the defensive coordinator there, obviously went on to be uh, coach at Texas and Louisville and uh, Skip Holtz and, and just tons of people. Dave DeGuglielmo, uh, who's, a, who's an NFL guy, offensive line coach. Um, I don't think you had a chance to play with him. But, I mean, just phenomenal just to be around guys. But, I mean, at the time, 18, 19 years old, I hated it because, like, he was such a hard ass, man. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like, you know, he had a plan. It's kind of like your parents. He had a, a method behind the madness. It was like he just made it extremely hard on everybody who came through that door freshman, uh, sophomore year. But afterwards, you know, your junior, senior year, you had so much freedom because you kind of made it. You know, if you didn't transfer out or burn out or whatever with Lou Holtz, um, you earned that trust from him. And it was kind of just like, OK, yeah. And that's that that culture word you hear everybody throw around because everybody kind of earned that right to be where they were in the stadium and where they were inside the the program because 
everybody paid the price, you know, regardless if you were a starter, quarterback, whatever. Um, and then from there, uh, was able to play. We won some, some, won some games, you know, beat Clemson maybe once. Uh, that was kind of our rival, of course, before they won national championships and everything like that. Um, had an opportunity uh, to go play a couple bowl games. We played in Ohio State, beat some of those guys, um, and then uh, got drafted. Um, always usually tease the kids and tell kids I got drafted first overall. I was like first overall in the sixth round. So like the money, <laughs> the money was really different. My mama had to go back to work like the next day. Um, so, but it was cool, man. I got drafted to Cincinnati Bengals, uh, played out there. What was uh, that draft journey like? I mean, when, when you came out of college, were you kind of highly touted or did you? In my mind, <laughs> I thought I was. Uh, well, I didn't think I was going to be like, you know, you know, first overall, but, you know, I thought, you know, and that's the the kind of the thing about the transition is confidence. You know, I had a lot of confidence in myself. It was kind of that year where Miami had like, I think they had like 10 dudes drafted. It was that 2000, 2001, 2002 kind of year. And so, you know, regardless of that, we didn't play in any bowl game. You know, I, I put myself up against anybody. And so that's that confidence. But it was more so I put my preparation and, you know, my willingness to work was probably the biggest thing because there's. So when you fell to the sixth round, was that that was a disappointment to you? You thought you'd go higher? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, especially when I'm getting calls in like the third and fourth round, it's like, okay, it's it's about to happen. Somebody's going to pull the trigger, and then it's like nothing. And then it's like, oh, uh, uh. How did you handle that journey? Because I don't think a lot of people understand. I mean, there's only so many draft spots, and a lot of guys obviously have dreams of being drafted higher. And some guys rise, some guys fall. And it's like a lot of it, it's like this perception too. And it's like timing, like you said. So how did you handle falling to the sixth round and then going into the Bengals, did you have like this, I need like to prove myself or were you kind of let down or what was that like? It was, it was, I was kind of, I was Pete, I was pissed off. Um, but it was, it was like one of those, like, not that I'm pissed off to be there. Like, damn, why did they draft me? I could have went somewhere else. It was, yeah, let's go get to it. Like, you know, John Thornton, like who is these guys playing in front of me? Like I'm coming to take their spot. I don't care if they've been in the NFL. And so a lot of that kind of like, you know, bravado. And then, you know, of course you go to minicamp and you get reality. You see, you're not as good as you thought. You're not as bad as you thought, but like, you, you still got some time to go. So, I mean, it just really helped me focus in and lock into work. And then, but that's kind of like seem, that's kind of like par for the course for me because that's kind of like how I felt like my college recruiting was like, I had some opportunities to go to like Florida state or Virginia tech, but South Carolina was ultimately like the best place for me. And I could have, you know, ended up somewhere, but I, I think that underdog role, like I really embraced that. So it's kind of par for the course for me that I didn't get drafted where I wanted to get drafted. Went to a city I didn't really expect. I forgot Cincinnati had a team. I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> but my mom's from Ohio, so I should know better, right? So yeah. Um, yeah, I have a very similar story. Like the underdog is like, oh, I played at a smaller school, always had to prove myself. Like my, I had a really up and down NFL career. I lost my starting job five times. And every time I did, I had to work my way back. And it was just always played the underdog role, which is it's definitely, it fueled me to my success. But at the same time, I always wish like, man, I always wish I was like kind of the guy that everybody, like the main guy on the team, like, you know, the top like 10, 15 guys are like the core group of guys, which I got a little bit of that experience when I was in Tampa, which was nice, but I always feel like I missed out on that. So when you went, talk a little bit about your NFL career. That's interesting because like, like having that, you know, I, I eventually played, I, I tell folks, I, you know, I, I fooled, fooled the NFL for seven years till they figured out I couldn't play. But, um, you know, played, played in Cincinnati for three years, played in Arizona for like a season and a half, two seasons, and then it ended up in Detroit for three more years. And so, um, 
you know, my last year in the NFL was uh, actually playing on a roster was 2008. And so my, my, my football years are kind of booked in because 2008, we went zero and 16. So my first year in, the, in, in college, I was on 11. My last year in the NFL, I was on 16. So I'm like the only dude to lose every game in college in the NFL. So I'm like the most losingest NFL guy ever. Wow. <laughs> I didn't deal with that. You don't like that label, right? I know, right? I mean, but it's cool because, you know, at the time I hated it. It sucked. But I mean, you know, you talk about transitioning and, and all these things. I mean, you learn more from losing and not getting what you want than actually getting what you want a lot of times. And so, and it's funny, you talked about this idea of like, you know, being the guy. Um, and, and it's funny because like having that chip on your shoulder, never really being the guy, I never felt like I could really trust that. Um, because when I got to Detroit, it was an opportunity like, you know, the coach at the time was like, man, I'm going to take care of you as if you're one of the guys, you're in the, you're in the rotation. Um, and it was true. But every day I felt like, man, they set me up to cut me. Man, they just, they trying to somehow take some reps away from me so I can not be as good as, and, it, and it's funny, you know, year six, year seven in my career in the NFL, and you still kind of have like that doubt. And that's the thing. I think that's the biggest thing, because if, if you hadn't, I mean, look, man, if you don't believe in yourself by year seven in the NFL that you deserve to be there or you're worth, you're valuable, like, come on, you're never going to get that. Yeah. And so I think that's the biggest thing for a lot of us, man, is like we, we hint so much of our own uh, validation and, and worth by stats and, you know, outside stuff. And so that really is tough transition wise when it's you on your own, even if you do have some money and, and everything's good for you, not giving those outside um, you know, validations and different things or even knowing which direction to go is really tough for people. Mm. Yeah. Performance on the field. Like when you put your value into performing on the field and then all of a sudden you're done playing and you no longer have an opportunity to even prove yourself on the field because it's no longer there. And you, it, I think, you know, that's what I struggle with is like, who am I without this thing that I was able to have as a measuring stick of my worth? And when it was all over, it was like, I had to figure out who I was with, without that. And it is an internal journey. How did you deal with that when you talk a little bit about when you came up towards the end of your career? Like what made you decide to finally be done? Were you kind of forced out? Was it injury? What was that kind of decision? It, like? it, it was kind of like that slow progression. It was like the peak of the roller coaster for me. I got with like the coach I always wanted to play for. Uh, I always, you know, love like Warren Sapp and those John Randall, those kind of like up the field guys. So I never played at Tampa, but I got to play with John, uh, with Rod Marinelli, who was their coach. He was the head coach of Detroit. But beyond him being the head coach, he was, our position coach. So that was phenomenal to work with him, um, you know, get taught by him, all those different things. But after about 2008, hit free agency, and that was it. Um, <laughs> no team wanted an eight-year guy, uh, had some injuries that year. So I had to get like double knee done, hand done, just for some different things. And so, of course, that offseason was a little bit different. So I started playing in like the UFL, uh, trying to get you, back. You but, wanted to continue playing. Yeah, definitely try to. And then... Uh -huh. um, you know, kind of midway through the season of the UFL uh, down there with, with John Gruden, uh, with Jay Gruden. And, um, you know, I had a bunch of guys, was a solid team, blue ruptured my bicep. And at that time, it was like one of those things in my mind. It was just like, that's it, man. It's a wrap, you know, because mm -hmm. like, yeah, I can come back. I tried to rehab and go out there and I made it back into some camps, but it was, that was pretty much it, man, because, um, and it was kind of like the writing on the wall. Now, it could have been one of those deals where it's like, how long do I hold on to this dream? And I think that's something that a lot of guys have to deal with. Like, when is it over for you? Because, I mean, I just think about some guys from um, that I know just who would, you know, show up to 
facilities just trying to get the workout. Like you see guys doing that now or like holding up the sign. Like I hadn't yeah. been in the league in five years, but I'm your guy. And I'm like, bro, that's so, up, bro. It's so it Yeah, it's so exhausting to me um, to think mm-hmm. about that. One, not to say like, who am I to shit on anybody's dream? If you can do it, you can do mm-hmm. it. But we know that energy could be spent somewhere else. And not to say they're not spending that energy somewhere else. So for myself, I knew that was it for me. And so um, I didn't know what, it, what I was going to do. Um, you know, had a little bit of money. So that allowed me the freedom to kind of just wander a little bit. You know, look, what about this? We'll look at that. And just started traveling down that rabbit hole of being just interested in stuff, man. Um, so what interested you off the bat? <laughs> Writing, writing interested me, but like, you know, I was like, man, I played for Lou Holtz. So, you know, Lou Holtz wrote some like leadership books. And so my partner, uh, who I went to school with and eventually is my co-author, my business partner, uh, we started, before we started writing kids books, we wanted to write these like real heavy leadership books based on our football knowledge. And, Mm. you know, we wrote that stuff out and it was crap, (laughs) you know, just (laughs) kind of like, it's like the first time I ever played football, man. I eventually played in the NFL, but the first time I ever played organized football, I know how to put the butt pad in, man. So it's like with anything, you start off sorry. And so... I think that's what a lot of people deal with, right? Going from the NFL and being in such a pinnacle, like we're literally experts at football. Like nobody in the world knows football better than we and we're, we're, we're the best in the world at it. And then all of a sudden that's over. I think that's hard for a lot of guys to like kind of start over. Like, okay, first of all, what what is it else that interests me? What else can I do with my life? And having to take you know, an e- like your ego out of the equation and, and take a couple steps down to get into that process of beginner again yeah. and having to learn from the beginning and, and have to ask questions and continue to make mistakes and learn, which is like, like you said, we, we didn't go from being putting on the pads in freshman year of high school to all of a sudden playing in the NFL as this journey to get to be that good and you have to put in the reps. Right. So talk about that journey with, with putting in the reps and, 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 and stepping down and trying to figure out what's the next thing. Yeah, for me, it was just um, just trying out a whole bunch of stuff, going to seminars and, and, and going to like, you know, it's a it's a Sunday morning writing class or, you know, this speaking opportunity for Toastmasters or, you know, I mean, I don't want to be doing suit and tie speeches, but I know there's something there. There's some coaching there. No different than football. Like, you know, when I was young, you know, you would do all type of stuff to get a better football game, you know, whether it was ballet or whatever, you would go do that. You would go do yoga or something you've never done before to be successful at football. And so I think for me, that was the thing that I tapped into the most is that I understand that I want to try to do something else. I want to try a new move. I want to try on a new pair of shoes, as Rob Marinelli used to say, but I know I have to work at it and play around with it. And so, you know, not to get too much into like Zen philosophy, but like everything is practice. You know, every you get into every, Zen philosophy as much as you want. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, everything is practice. Even the games that we played on Sunday, you only get 16 of those games. But ultimately, that's practice for you because you can either build on one of the next ones. Some of us are regressing when we play those games. The 2008 Detroit Lions, we got worse. Are you mm-hmm. getting better? You know, so um, I think and that was kind of the thing that kind of freed me up a little bit. Like, man, I'm gonna make mistakes. Um, I made a lot bigger mistakes on the field for everybody to see. Those mistakes also had bigger consequences, i.e. physical stuff, money stuff. So, you know, I kind of took advantage of being unknown, you know. So if I want to be a writer, just play around with writing or broadcasting or speaking or just creating or whatever. And so for me, I kind of fell into that, just played with a lot of stuff, leaned on some of my buddies who... um, football guys that, you know, we had certain things in common, but 
similar stories. And, you know, around that, I kind of built a team similar to like a locker room. And that gave me enough confidence to say, man, maybe I can, you know, write some kids books and go into schools and speak to the kids, or maybe I can do some broadcasts, or maybe we can start doing these podcasts and things. And then it ultimately just came realizing that, man, you're just being as creative off the field as you were on the field. You know, no different than as an offensive lineman. You're like, man, I got big so-and-so across the way from me. I know I can't physically match up with him, so I'm going to have to be creative in how I block him. And you did that every week. We all did that. And so within that, just tapping into that, man, hard work. Because I know I'm a hard worker. I know I'll figure it out. Um, I know I'll get coaching if I can't figure it out. And I know I'm not afraid to keep repping it out till I get it just right for myself. And then, I mean, those are the same things that kind of made me successful on the football field for me. This game, though, is a longer game, so I get more bandwidth, more space to kind of perfect these things, and I can have more fun with it longer. Um, yeah. You That's know. what I always think, like, when we play out, like, in the NFL, there's kind of a ceiling, right? We can only make it so far. And even when you get to that ceiling, there's just little micro-improvements you have to continue to make. But as soon as you're done playing, you know, the only ceiling that is created is the ceiling that you put on yourself, right? Through your own right. self-learning beliefs, your own doubts, your own fears, but the cool thing about being now is like we can continue to push past that ceiling and consistently kind of work towards bigger and bigger goals and visions. Um, so you're, you're talking specifically about writing. How has your writing journey evolved? Is that kind of what you're doing mostly now? And what are some other things that you kind of tried? During that I, 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 I would say my, my, my writing journey has evolved because I've just written a bunch of stuff that sucked and then tried out stuff that was just interesting to me. Um, so you know, and I think a lot of times you get like with football, you get, man, I'd love to be a 10 year guy in the NFL. But is it really that what you want? Or you would you just really like maybe the esteem or the money of maybe a 10 year guy? Um, so there's a lot of different ways you can go about doing that. So I think through kind of starting failure, I learned like, man, I like doing maybe the little less serious stuff in kids books, combining pictures and words. Um and that that's kind of the medium I like to go as opposed to like doing a bigger book. Now, I have circled back around and one of the books, uh, me and my other business partner, Preston Thorne, who I co-wrote some of these kids books with, we will do a transition journal called Next Play. And that's something, I mean, taking those same ideas of football, good play, bad play, next play is all that you can control. No different than like some Zen philosophies, like no matter how great you were yesterday or a breath ago, uh, all you have is now, you know? And, and so that's the biggest thing. The more we can focus on what we can harness and, and go after it at this moment, the better we'll be. And I think that's that's really freeing for a lot of people because one, you're not bound by your past, but two, you're you're fully responsible for your future because as a coach told me, your future is just a whole string of nouns put together. So if you want your future to be better, you start focusing more and more. And you see this in football all the time. We call it being in the zone or man, he was just feeling it that day. But I mean, I think that's when you're just really hyper focused. And it's no different in your everyday life. But you know, without the football and all the music and all the different stuff that makes football great and makes us the star of the show, you have to find those moments yourself. You got to figure out in your next play of life, like whether is it going to be a father? Is it being, you know, starting a business? Is it, you know, I don't know. That That's the biggest thing we like to say is like, it's an opus canvas to what you can be. Mm. Like football where they say, Joe, you're going to be a center, man. And maybe you might be a guard if somebody gets hurt, but that's about your options, you know? But for a lot of guys, especially transition, that open field of possibilities, not having somebody tell them what to do, not really having a linear progression of, you know, what to do because football taught us that, you know, 
taught us to, it's August, I need to be getting in this type of shape. It's February, I can be doing this. So now that you don't have that, that gets really intimidating to a lot of guys and even myself, period, because you're like, man, what am I doing? I'm wasting a day. I'm not, I should be, I should be. Then you start shitting on yourself, right? And you don't do nothing. So talk about that. Talk about the the difficulty of finding purpose outside of football, right? We all go through it. I I, I was definitely, I played eight years and I was my last year. I knew it was going to be my last year. I was ready to walk away. My body was beat up and you know, I was of a select few that I was deciding to walk away on my own terms. And I was still so surprised because, you know, my whole career, I was like very conscious of the fact that football is something that I do. It's not who I am, right? We're constantly told that, like, make sure football is not all your life. You have to have other things going on. And looking on it now, realizing that in order to make it and be successful at such a competitive environment like that, you have to be singularly focused. And even though I was conscious of that, I I took that from people that, that spoke about it, when I was done playing, I was like, oh man, I don't think I gave myself, you know, enough credit. Like that, that definitely was a huge part of who I was. And now that it's gone, I feel like there's a void within me. And I think this journey of trying to find, working towards finding purpose in our lives, how did you find purpose? And and do you have any advice for guys that, that might be lost, might be going through that, that two or three year journey of really just not knowing what to do with themselves? Um, Purpose is just, I think I just tried on a whole bunch of stuff, man, like you said, because it wasn't just the writing for me because, um, you know, I was writing about things that I enjoyed, I was interested in. Um, So in in a roundabout way, trying to figure out the writing, you know, kids, books, whatever, um, I was given, by giving that time and that effort, I was figuring out what I like. Same way with the speaking stuff, Uh, same way with... um, getting out and trying to serve because that was also a big thing. You know, you got this platform, you played in the NFL, you're one of the few guys to ever make it from your hometown or from your state. How are you going to give back? So in a crazy roundabout way, when my buddy and I came together and started writing these kids books, we also thought about, man, let's go into the schools and start talking about, you know, having doing assemblies and literacy assemblies and taking these things from, you know, are these guys coming in here to talk about football? No, we're coming in here to talk about you know, reading, writing, and speaking, because, you know, those are going to be your opportunities. So again, I, I want to just, you know, harping back to football is just trying out a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and now that, it, now that I look back, and that's the other thing is like hindsight, or like for Roddy as example, like when you look about it, like, you know, there's no, 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 re- no wonder Roddy was great. He was a wrestler ever since he was a wrestler and he had some height on him. And okay, so that makes him, yeah, that seems like his path was that he was going to be this physical kind of elite receiver, blah, 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 blah. And I think about my own journey, like, yeah, my mom was a teacher. So it doesn't make it does make sense that I'm in the schools, even though I said I'd never be in the schools when I was a kid helping her as a as a teacher, teacher's son. My dad was in radio. So, you know, when I got so hyper focused on football and I achieved that dream, I was able to kind of look back and see, okay, these are the things that uh, are interesting to me. And again, it's gonna be different for everybody. There's guys who love to draw. I think I think with you being authentic with your journey, and I mean, obviously you love animals, you love pets, you love your dog, but travel, getting out there, I mean, and documenting all these different things and then incorporating, I mean, a lot of different things is not, it's not one singular thing that makes Joe who he is. And so I think it's the eclectic mix of that, but you're also comfortable with that. And, that. and so when somebody asks you personally, probably kind of like it is for me, like, what do you do? Um, you know, football sports is the last thing you ever want to bring up, even though you don't do it anymore. It's way, way, way back there because you're just trying to figure out the next kind of challenge, the next kind of thing. So for me, it's just falling in love with like that idea that I want to find another challenge. I can dictate kind of what these challenges are as everybody can. I can say, man, I want to, 
you know, climb Mount Kilimanjaro or I don't, you know, do whatever. The point is, I know I have to have challenges every day, just like football. I know I have to go out there and find something that really gets me going because, you know, just like all big dudes in sports, we can we can BS our way through stuff too and, you know, barely make our times running and we can barely make it through a day if we want to. So I think that's the biggest thing, figuring out what is success look like to me. And that's what we always tell so many kids because success is has varied for you. When I when we talked on the butt and gut stuff, like the stuff you talked about in your high school career, I was like, man, Joe was really he was really accomplished as a high school dude. Like I didn't do nothing, but like, that's the thing. You can't compare yourself. You mm-hmm. can't compare yourself because comparison is death. You can be inspired for sure, mm-hmm. but figuring out what success is from you. And maybe it, again, you take a little bit of, of, of everybody around you. And I think that's why being more interested in what's going on, you'll figure that out. And you did that. We all did this in sports. Cause you would look at this center and be like, man, I'm going to take his hand placement and I'm going to take, you know, Jeff Saturday's feet and, this guy's mental acumen and I'm going to try to blend it into my little deal and make it this. And then by doing that, you, you create something new. And so that was the thing for me, just trying to figure out some stuff that's fun. Of course, being around kids, that helps too. being in the schools every day. That kind of keeps me cool. I get to see what the kids are wearing on sneakers and you know, what's the lingo, you know, we don't say this is lit anymore. It's this now. And so, I mean, that's been the cool thing for me, but also I don't get to be a teacher every day because that's something I promised myself I wouldn't do. So I'm still kind of like holding on to all these things. And it's really, really cool to see this kind of evolve every day for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Beginning a new every day, right. And creating the story that we want to live. Yeah. I think what you said there, you know, it's really about movement, like not just sitting stagnant when you're done playing and thinking about what you are no longer, right. You have to properly grieve the loss if that's what you need, but you have to let go of this past self that is you and you have to continue to move in the direction of what you want to become. And that, that requires movement, trying new things and getting outside your comfort zone, right? Continuing to push yourself, challenging yourself. And that will, you know, eventually lead you on the right path. But you have to start, right? You have to start moving towards something. And like you said, too, it's, it's really like if you see somebody, just like you talked about in football, like if I see Jeff Saturday, I really look up to him. He's one of the best centers. There's things I can take from his game to apply it to my game. And you can do that in life, right? You, if you have an idea of what you want to do, you want to be in real estate, you want to be in business, you want to be a writer, you can look at these people, especially in today's day and age where you have access to all these different people and who they are, and you can actually directly contact them through social media, which is really cool. But really focus on who you want to become, find people that are already finding success in those fields and figure out what they did or who they are in order to become and work towards that and start embodying those yourself. And that will definitely help you on the journey. Right. And that's, that's really familiar to us because, you know, you know, to your point, we've made it to the NFL, to college. I mean, whatever, you're the 1% of the 1% that made it, but you just didn't get there on your own. There's, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff was in that, but there was a lot of observing and you taking in feedback. And so, I mean, that's the thing for me now. I mean, I see a lot of guys, I ask my buddies, you know, man, man, I, when I see your family from afar, man, your family looks like they really are this, this, and this, man. How are you doing it? Having those conversations. It'd be no different than going up to a guy after the game. It's like, man, how the hell you block Ted Washington every day? And you know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing. I, there's guys out there who are owning business. And that's the one thing for football guys is one, if you play football or you have any attachment to that, that can get you into any door. It doesn't matter if you were the the last guy on the roster or if you were the walk-on. I mean, it doesn't matter. Football affords you kind of like that ticket to go through the door. So 
You know, there's not a shortage of guys who have done what you wanted to do, real estate, yoga, uh, podcasts with dogs. I mean, there's, there's somebody out there. So you can always reach out there and do that. But a lot of times, you know, we forget we used to do that as athletes, but this is the time when you need to lean on those things more than ever. Ask those people for help. All those favors you you've never called on before when people be like, man, I want to do something for you. I want to help, man. You, you sign a, a autograph from my son. Da, 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 da. And then you find out this person has the business you want to, man, fall into that. Because you would do that as a player back in the day if you found a strength coach or a speed coach or a hands guy or whatever the hell the guy was back in the day. Um, and so again, I think that's a skill we also got to develop, not develop, but just remember, because we forget a lot of time because I do have the money. I do have the acclaim. I can call so-and-so and they can get me into this restaurant, this club, but that's not really giving you what you need as far as substance for your next play journey, you know, giving you what you need to feel fulfilled and have purpose. Like you're saying. Yeah. Talk about your journey with writing. Cause I know writing for me, you know, not just becoming a good writer, but writing and the substance of writing and understanding yourself on a deeper level and being able to process your own story and who you are and, you know, journaling specifically, I used to have a lot of resistance to writing, but when I started journaling, cause I, you know, I had this idea when I, when I was traveling, I want to write a book about this. And I realized I have never written anything in my life and I had a lot of resistance to writing. And I think a lot of people do. I always felt like I'm not a good writer. And that was just a story I was telling myself. And it wasn't until I, I read this book called The Artist Way, uh, Julia Cameron. And it talks about the morning pages, which is stream of consciousness yeah. journaling, right? Three pages and, a day. Right? Yeah. So you just journal every day and don't judge yourself. Don't edit. Just whatever. Basically putting your thoughts onto paper. And when I started working through that process, I started to understand myself more because I, I could literally have a conversation with my thoughts and my mind and who I was on a deeper level. And through that process, I've learned to write in a, in a much better way you know, through practice. But it's more than just the writing. It's the processing of ourselves, our emotions and understanding ourselves on a deeper level. Has writing had that impact on you? 100%. Writing is so therapeutic. Now, again, when somebody, hopefully somebody will pick up these books that I'm, I keep dropping and talking about, but I mean, it's not going to be no Hawthorne or Shakespeare when you pick it up. But through that, I've, I mean, writing is so therapeutic because once you start going on the page, especially if you have an idea in mind, just like in life, you can have a goal to start your day off from this and you end up over here. Same way with writing. You can say, man, I, I thought I was going to start writing about my dog, but then I, you know, ended up this way. Writing has been such a therapeutic type of deal just to free write. Um, it's just been phenomenal for me, not just the journaling aspect, because there's so much going on in everybody's mind. And even for a lot of us athletes, our minds are buzzing and thinking about the next thing we have to do. A lot of times to start the day off with just a journal entry, uh, putting words on the page, not even just saying I'm trying to write a story or whatever, but just having that to set kind of the day and we talked about morning pages. I mean, I found out about this a few years ago. You know, morning pages is one of those deals you just kind of just brain dump every day. Uh, because you think about how most people start their day. They get up and think about what they have to do or what's looming or what they didn't do yesterday or the bills or, you know, maybe you're one of those folks that turn over and you're you plugging right back into the Instagram, IG, Twitter. And then so all of that stuff kind of sets the tone for the day in some way, whether you're going to be frantic or whatever, this deal of just morning pages, and it doesn't just have to be in the morning, it could be anytime. You know, that's really something that I think that helps get a lot of like erroneous thoughts out, help you kind of just like, if you keep continually write about these things every day, um, 
there's something in there that you probably need to address for yourself, whether it be your weight or your attitude or, and a lot of times I think this idea of taking it out of our thought stream and putting it down on paper kind of helps, you know, clean up your cache, no different than your computer or your phone. You know, when you have too much stuff running, you, you just get bogged down and you can't, you're not as sharp as you are. And that's the thing for a lot of us as, as football dudes or high achievers, we've achieved so much and can, and can, you know, perform and do so many things, you know, once football is over, you know, we can't always fly at that type of level. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, getting these things out on, on writing. And that has been a really therapeutic tool for me. Um, you know, I think it's in, in tons of ideas. I mean, so many things have come out of those kind of morning pages or thought different deals, however you want to gratitude journals, another way um, for us. It's one of the tools we try to teach kids, too, when we go into the schools or do a lot of our corporate speaking, because there's so much people who, you know, just not to say they laugh at the idea, but when you take something out of your mind and put it down on paper, it makes it real, whether it be a goal or a grocery list or, you know, that love letter. And it's no different than when you're trying to, like, just figure out what you want to do on your next place. So that's one of the things we tell kids, this idea of having, you know, the, the morning meditation pages where you can write out just whatever you want for three pages, three pages is kind of tough for kids. So then uh, we've had some different exercises where we talk about kids securing the bag and we say a bag is the acronym for blessings, uh, accomplishments, and goals. So mm-hmm. for every day, um, if we can get, just get kids to talk about things they're blessed about, give me three things you're blessed about. Give me three things you've accomplished in your life. I don't care what they are, whether it was you were a spelling bee champ, you, you saved the dog one time or whatever, and then write some goals. You do that every day. You know, it's going to help you get the money you want to get, but it's going to help you be the person you want to be, be more importantly, because you're, you're filling up your bag every day. And this is, I mean, this is something we picked up from, you know, one of our other coaches or somebody else. And, and that's no different than anything we've done in football. Mm-hmm. This idea of writing is, is such a valuable deal that, you know, I just think people forget about it with the technology because of, you know, I, I, let me just type it into my phone, but that free, that actual hand to paper, it just makes it, 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 it's, it's a great, great tool. And I, and it's something that, you know, is really getting lost. I mean, the art of the note, people having give, you know, thank you notes, different things, all of those things. The more we can encourage people to write, I think the more heartfelt and, and, and remembrance it is. It's a, it's a great, great tool, man. Phenomenal. What are some other tools that you use to help you um, stay centered and, and, and work towards your vision? Uh, always walking, uh, working out, you know, trying to, you know, make sure to get the movement right, you know, always changing that as well. And that's the thing with our kind of butt and gut series, like talking to guys like you, just like, maybe my movement doesn't have to be two hours of just weights. It can be 15 minutes of just movement with the kettlebell, uh, stretching and coming back to movements. Um, uh, other things that just, uh, starting to get into more like drawing, like my ideas out. Um, mm. you know, Austin Cleon is a guy I really admire. He's a, he's a, uh, Austin guy who, who uh, wrote the the famous book uh, "Steal Like an Artist" and a bunch of other great, phenomenal books? And he's uh, talks about journaling and morning pages, but also drawing out different ideas, and that becomes therapeutic because you think about how much fun you used to have as a kid drawing. Even if before you started saying, "Man, I can't draw. I'm a terrible drawer," you would still show up in art class in second, third grade and be full on in it. You know, pressed to the paper. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with kind of having that free medium. Um, you know, it's funny is they give a grade for art class because like art, like art is not supposed <laughs> to be judged. It's like, it's just pure creation. Like who's the one telling you it's good or it's bad. And what is like, art, right? Like, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's just creation. And the cool thing about what you're saying with, with 
with drawing your ideas out, it's something fascinating happens that, you know, we're always in the left brain, logical brain, thinking, doing, and it's really hard for us to drop into the right brain, but that's where the flow states happen. That's where our creativity allow, uh, it lies. And so there's something fascinating that happens when you draw out ideas, you are tapping into that creative side of your brain and it actually drops you back into the present moment. And that's one thing I do with like vision boards, right? Vision boards, I used to have a lot of resistance to this idea of like creating a vision board because it's like visual and it's, it's fascinating to go through and pick out pictures from magazines and put them on a board and like, that's basically like having a conversation with your subconscious because the things that pick out that your brain looks at like, Oh, I, I want to put that thing on my vision board. There's a reason. It's like your, well, your brain is telling you a story, right? So interesting to see like, yeah, like you say, okay, man, I want to go on this European vacation and maybe we had the same goal, but if we put it out and cut it. It's going to look totally different on that vision board. And that's mm-hmm. the thing we talk about like next play, you know, there's a bunch of defensive tackles in the NFL, but they all play, Kind of the same, but they all are different. They're all body shape different. Some got long arms, some are short. And it's the same thing with people in the world. It's like we can all, there's, there's not a shortage of abundance of options. It's just you got to figure out what your option is going to be. And then we love that. I, I love that idea of a vision board, uh, different things, especially for a lot of young kids, because, you know, they kind of have a general idea of what we want, but like we tell them, you know, write it down, make it real, um, you know, put it on a vision board. Because again, uh, that will pull you a lot more than pain will push you a lot of times. And a lot of times kids would be like, man, I'm hungry. I want to go get it. But I think you looking at a picture of Santorini Greece is going to be way more inspiring than you saying, man, I got to get out the, you know, my mama house or whatever. So, so again, that's a lot of things we try to, you know, have, cause you always do this in sports. You do this in sports. You, you would draw out a goal. You, put a, right. you put a damn picture of, okay, where's the national championship at this year? It's going to be in St. Pete, Florida. So put a picture of St. Pete, Florida up there and everybody's, you know, that's the hashtag for this year. Mm. So again, let's not forget all these tools. And that's not just relegated to football or baseball or whatever. Use those things in our life. And a lot of times I think we forget that or we have these gaps where we forget that we have a lot of these skills that have made us great. Yeah. Yeah. When I ask you, I mean, do you, do you miss football at all? And if you do, I mean, do you ever think about it and what do you miss most about it? I miss the money. Money was, money was <laughs> great. Uh, I miss, you know, at the end, I don't miss the physical part. I mean, I, I miss the competition, but I can get that competition other ways I've seen from, you know, writing books or man, how many kids did we reach out to or, or you know, how many, you know, so there's, I, we can, you can generate competition and ultimately the competition is when within yourself, right? So, you know, I don't really miss that physical part of that competition, but so it it would be the guys being around a guy. And I think that's one of the things that I'm extremely blessed and lucky because my co-author, my partner, my business partner, and a lot of the things that I do, uh, we play college ball together and we're from the same hometown. So even though he didn't play in the NFL, um, we still have a con- we're, we still have a connectivity of football, Southern dudes played the same position, but still kind of like going this way on our journey, unlike some of our other part, uh, buddies who we used to play with. Now, again, doesn't mean that those guys can't go and create anything, but I, I kind of figured out a way to put a team of same like-minded creative guys over here and still have that team now. And so that's the thing you always miss when you, when you leave is coming into the locker room, shooting the shit with the guys and, you know, um, you know, having those guys in different backgrounds and different things. Because that's the thing about a locker room. There's so much different things in there. You can dig into whatever it is you want to get into. You know, some Cali guys. I mean, there's 
there's somebody in the locker room, whatever's going on in the world, there's somebody's like, yeah, I'm from so-and-so. They got the, the fires going on out here. And let me tell you about this. So that's the thing. You don't have the luxury of having all of that right there in front of you. Now you just got to go out there and search it now. And, and again, mm-hmm. I think we call that like Twitter and Facebook. But you got to be careful because what the NFL did was they put the best of the best in those locker rooms, right? Like when you have social media, Twitter, all this stuff now, and everybody you can go after, you know, you can have an unfiltered stream of whoever coming to your little timeline. So you got to be careful with that as well, man. But mm, definitely yeah. miss the guys. Definitely, definitely miss some. Um, you know, a little twinge of me misses being the show on a, on a Sunday or a Monday night. But I mean, that fades fast, man. You know, when I start yeah. seeing people get hit, I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Um, you know, you so you you retired been what over a decade now yeah man get it's pretty so if you could go back to you know yourself that first year or two or three out of the out of the league trying to figure out yourself what what like was there anything that you'd change anything that any advice that you'd go back and tell yourself to get started and, and start doing um i'd start probably getting more like the path on writing, like not waiting, you know, knowing what I know about brands, I probably would have, you know, try to, I would have been on Twitter first as opposed to trying to be like the guy who's whatever. Uh, Cause it's funny. I remember dudes who were first getting on social media when I was like, man, what is Twitter? I'm not messing with that. Like yeah. so much resistance. Now it's like the way the world runs. Be private, man. But now I look at those dudes and they're like, Oh, um, Belief, man, just believe in myself more. Like, because that, like I always said, man, there was always that kind of thing I think I flirted with. Like, I would allow myself to believe I was good even when I was on a practice squad and I've allowed myself to not believe I was good even when I was starting. And so it's like, man, you gotta, you can't, you can't keep doing that to yourself because one, it weighs you down emotionally. Um, but also too, I think, um, you know, you don't need, it's kind of like the dude where you've seen who, you know, the difference between the kid that made the practice squad the year before and the guy that makes the, the actual 53 the next year. Like, he's just like a different person. Just And that's all just the confidence in the ears. And that's mm-hmm. all because somebody says, you're on the 53 this year. Or we'll go, we're going to give you that high tender. We're going to give you that three-year deal or whatever. Um, you know, have you, you are that person already. You don't need that validation. Now, again, don't get me wrong. The money's great and, you know, that confidence, but... For a lot of guys, that's ultimately all the stuff that they're looking for with sports, with money and different things. Like you, you can give that to yourself without, you know, wrecking your, you know, whatever it is, uh, your, your character, whatever. The point is, man, just I would the lengths the more in 2003, 2004, I would believe in myself a little bit more and not, you know, go back and forth between do I belong? Do I not belong? Because, again, that's something the coaches and stuff are just playing around to try to motivate you. But, man. At that point, man, you you're good enough to be there. You got drafted, damn it! Like, I mean, believing it a little bit more. So, and it's just uh, funny just to kind of see that with guys. Yeah, totally. I believe it, man. It's I had the same journey when I was playing. It was like one piece of me was felt like I didn't belong. Like this is imposter syndrome, and, and then there's a part of me that felt like I was the best player on the field, right? And I feel like you have to have those two parts of you to be really successful because if you lean too far one way or the other, then you're going to be out of the league pretty quick. And it's like. I have to have that side of me that thinks I'm an imposter and I don't belong because that's going to be forcing me to continue to improve. But I also have to have that confidence that I am the best player on the field or else I'm going to get weeded out pretty quickly. But I can't lean one way or the other because then I'm going to get too much. If I think I'm, I'm the best on the field, but I'm not showing up and working, then I'm going to look kind of arrogant and cocky. But if I feel like I don't belong and I don't ever like show up with confidence, then I'm not going to make it as well because I'm going to fully embody that. So it's like finding that balance is really important. 
Wow. What about transitioning out of of the game? Um, you know, those first couple of years out of the out of the out of the game, trying to figure out who you are without it. Is there any advice you'd give that that self on on that journey of transition? Uh, I would I would just say keep showing up, man, and and not knowing is okay. Um, because again, I mean, I thought I knew what I was going to play when I first went out for the football team, but it ended up being something completely, totally different what I got paid to do as a professional or what even got me into college. So, I mean, you know, it changes year to year, it changes day to day. So giving yourself the freedom, giving yourself the kind of leeway to be like, okay, I think I want to be in radio, but maybe the medium is this, or I thought I wanted to be in TV, but it's more behind the scenes, or um, I want to write, you know, a blog about being a dad, or I don't know. The point is, you're not going to figure it out, and things change just like in a season, And, and I think, I mean, football is really, really, you know, apropos for what we're doing, because, you know, a season's change, I mean, how you start out the season is not how you end the season. You know, you might have started out as a left tackle, but everybody gets hurt and you got to move in for the betterment of the team or whatever to be a center. I mean, I don't know. The point is you don't beat yourself up for doing that. So don't beat yourself up for not having it figured out. Um, you know, try to build your team up around a people who are going to keep you accountable, no different than sports. And um, self-scouting too, man. Like, you know your limitations as a player. It's the same way off the field, man. You know what you can and can't do. If you allow yourself to be a fat slob, you'll be a fat slob. You'll sit on the couch every day. So if you know that's your bag, get up in the morning and do your stuff. Or, you know, put yourself... Any speci- anything specific that, that you would specifically tell yourself that you went through in those first couple of years that you wish you would have maybe done differently or known what you know now and kind of applied it when you were just getting done? Um... A big thing for me would just be like, get those 20, 30 pounds off because every year it goes by, um, you know, like how you did it. Like right away, you had a plan, you got out there, uh, you you got yourself skinnier. Uh, same way with guys like Marshall Yanda and I think I like LaCharles Bentley and different things because, I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, I love eating and love all those different things, but, you know, you're never going to be as physically fit as you are when you're leaving the game. So yeah. if you need to just have a few little quick, little changes, that's a lot easier than 10 years later saying, all right, I'm going to cut out sugar and I'm going to intermittent fast during the nighttime. And then because then it starts to be like, uh, because you, your, your resolve is not as strong as it was back then. Maybe it is as strong. I don't know. That's just something for me I would have done. And I just know uh, health wise, you know, that's always, there's no need to carry around the weight like that. So, but uh, that's some of the things we talked about in our podcast and some of the things we talked about some of the guys because you know, a lot of guys we know have lost the weight and gotten skinny and there's a lot of guys who are going the other way. And and so, you know, it's just yeah. interesting to see folks' relationship with food and coping and, and all those yeah. different things. Yeah, totally. It's definitely easier to to to, to kind of get after that right away. And it's like the longer you wait, the, the harder it is. I think that's with anybody that has to deal with. Also too, I mean, there's, I mean, a lot of resources that are out there for the NFL, the transition stuff. Like we met at an NFL uh, speakers bureau and there's a lot of resources, but you know, all that stuff is there, but unless you show up and get what you need out of it, it I mean, it doesn't matter. And so that's the thing, the, the counseling resources, um, you know, there's not just has to be anything dramatic that get you into the room to talk to a therapist. It could just be sports performers. It could be, there's a lot of different things. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with having those different uh, outlets and journaling and therapy. Use those things, man, because, you know, it doesn't need something bad to happen before you can start using those tools. Yeah, I love it. Um, one of the final questions, and then I'll give you a chance to kind of plug what you're working on and, and, and you know, promote that a little bit. But I like to ask all my guests at the end, uh, what's your vision for the future 
for yourself personally? And what's your vision for the collective, for the world? What would you like to see happen as a, as a, as a, as humanity kind of goes through this transition? Uh, as a humanity, as I mean, biggest thing is that we would all, you know, understand that we're uniquely the same and uniquely different. And that, I mean, you know, this, this journey on this rock that's spinning around another rock out in the middle of kind of nowhere. I mean, <laughs> there's really nowhere else to go. So we got to take care of each other and we got to take care of the planet. And the more we do those things, um, the more we can give people what they want and ultimately get what we want, whether that's money, prestige. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm as much of a capitalist and as anybody else, but I'm also a dude that, you know, cuts up his six pack deals. So, you know, cause I'm worried about the environment and the baby seals and, you know, let's figure out a way to make these out of, you know, polyurethane or something as opposed to plastic or, I mean, something that's, point is the challenges that are out there for us and the differences that we have are the things that can unite us and ultimately propel us forward economically, mm-hmm. socially, all those things. Uh, for me personally, uh, I think for me is just trying to be the best me I can be. And again, uh, that changes from day to day. Uh, but ultimately, you know, just being happy, whole, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Um, and a lot of times that could be just in relationships that can be in being creative, being creative, um, out there trying to help somebody, uh, allow myself to be helped. Um, you know, that's, that's the one thing I figured out with sports is that, you know, you can be on top and you can be on bottom in the, in the middle of a, of an instant. Um, also too, don't, don't die with a lot of that stuff still in you. Um, I lost two of my parents earlier on one of my old, my mom, uh, my second year in the NFL and my old man in school and college. Um, and one of the things I realized is that, you know, Time is is fleeting for everybody. Like you said, I hate that you you dropped that on me, but I've been out the league for almost like a decade, and it just feels like yesterday. Um, mm. And and you know, getting going into college feels like yesterday. And we all have those kind of like flashball moments where everything feels really, really close, closer than we think it is. But it's really, man, it's been 10, 15 years, and so time is going to pass. So whatever it is you want to do, that skill you want to learn, that letter you want to write, I mean, there's no point in waiting, man. Because I mean, I don't know what's next. But I know I have an opportunity today to work along all those things. I don't have to get them all right today. I don't have to complete the manuscript today. I don't have to be well-spoken to have myself like, you know, the best speaker in the world today. But I can start working towards those things and finding enjoyment in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that gives me a little bit more sense of control and sense of just fulfillment and happiness within that. And it doesn't feel as heavy, man. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah. Life is uh, impermanent, right? It's the one thing we all know for sure. There's going to be an end. So take them, take advantage of it while, we, while we're here. Um, 100%. I really appreciate you taking the time, brother, and sharing a little bit about your journey and sharing some advice for the guys and, and the people that are listening. Um, go ahead and uh, plug, you know, you talked a few about a few of the books you're writing and the podcast, the Button Gut Podcast. Go ahead and plug anything you'd like and then where people can find you and get in contact with you. Yeah, all of our stuff is on uh, athletesandartists.net. Athletesandartists.net is our is our is our webpage. It has all of our books. Our first book is uh, hashtag Just the Chicken, and the second book is hashtag Just the Chicken Little. So, uh, being a Carolina Gamecock, you know the book uh, our, our our chicken is the mascot, and so you know that kind of is the central character of all of our stories. But all of those deals are just uh, cool little stories about comparison. Um, you know, obviously. The first story, just the chicken. The chicken didn't realize he was something special. He was cocky, the mascot, and he kind of walked around the world and didn't realize 
is a potential. And I think that's something everybody can relate to. And so we'll be finishing up our third book in a story called Eusta was a Rooster. That'll be out this spring. Uh, kind of like the old dude giving back his kind of uh, knowledge and tutelage to the young guys. Um, then we'll be also publishing our other transition kind of manual called Next Play. That'll be coming up. And we have a couple podcasts, the Fight Podcast. Uh, the Butt and Gut series is, is one where we interview guys like yourself, Spice Adams, uh, Tons and tons of guys, Jeff Schwartz, Travell Wharton, Sean Rogers, just a bunch of big individuals who've been big their whole lives. And we just talk about food transitioning, um, you know, just being big guys and navigating the world and trying to be not so big afterwards. Just like we talked about, man, it doesn't really benefit us to carry all that weight. So, man, just trying to get out there and be as creative as you guys and, and seeing that's the other cool thing for us, man, is to see all of our other football kind of like brethren who we don't, we may know, we may not know directly, indirectly, but seeing each other kind of like create stuff. And you're like, man, I need to go out there and get on my stuff and create my little deal because, you know, Joe's out here doing this and and Sean's over here doing this and Malcolm Mitchell's, he's making another book, man. So not, not again to be jealous, but to be just inspired because there's no reason, man. There's no reason to go out there and, and put those things out there because there's no reason to have those things die inside of you either. Get those ideas up out of you. I love it, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. You guys go check out those books. Those are children's books, right? Yeah, they're for the for the kid and all of us. You know, everybody's like Peter Pan or something. So, you know, if you need that coffee table book or you're trying to fill out that library in your bathroom as you go in there, we like to call mm-hmm. that the men's library, the bathroom. So, you know, we love those books. And, uh, you know, of course, we had a phenomenal illustrator, Kevin Roche. He done did some stuff for ESPN. So uh, check all yeah, that out. Yeah, you sent a couple books to me and they, they look really cool, really nice. Like the, the imagery is really amazing and the stories are awesome as well. So uh, you guys go check that out. All that will be in the show notes. If you want to learn more about how you can uh, support Langston, go check those out. And I really appreciate you taking the time, brother. Appreciate you, John. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. A huge thank you to Langston for taking the time to come on. I do want to plug... Uh, the community I'm building because I'm looking for guys to join who can really add value to it. And it's the Heart Collective. Uh, it's a community built exclusively for former male professional athletes uh, playing in the NFL for eight years and then walking away. Uh, it was one of the most challenging things in a lot of unique ways. I think one of the things is it's hard for people to relate or understand what that experience is like going from being at uh, the pinnacle to the feeling of isolation and, you know, not really feeling supported going through an entire life, pretty much being in a locker room surrounded by high performing, high achieving individuals, receiving coaching, focused on um, accomplishing, you know, goals constantly. And, you know, one day it's all over and that was really isolating and hard for me and really saw a need to build a community to help Uh, build a container pretty much to bring former athletes who understand what that experience is like to come together, support one another on the journey post athletics, because, you know, it doesn't have to be life's over because I truly believe life is just getting started and there's a lot of cool, big things ahead. And I know if we can channel that energy it took to reach the top in sports, we can rechannel that into reaching newer and greater heights outside of the sport we played magic can happen and we don't have to do it alone. We can do it together. If you're interested, go check out theheartcollective.com. That's H-A-R-T collective.com. And if you're not a former athlete, um, but you know somebody that is, 
please share this information with them. Um, really working to grow this community with the right kind of guys so that we can all work together and reach our highest potential. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Love you all.